is good to see y'all. And again, we say this each week, and, and I really mean it. We don't just say it because they're empty words. But no matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, um, we want you to feel welcome in RUF. And so whether that's meeting with Caroline or myself or with an upperclassman involved in RUF, we want you to feel welcome. Um, and I'm Matt. I'm the campus minister with Wofford RUF. Uh, Caroline is our intern. And um, one of our favorite things to do in our work is meet with you individually and have coffee and a meal with you. And if we haven't gotten a chance to do that and meet you in that way, um, please reach out to us. Our information, like our cell phone numbers and our email, email addresses are on um, that PDF, I think. Um, and so reach out to us. We'd love to get together with you. Um, and RUF um, stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and we're one of the many campus ministries on campus trying to walk alongside you during these formative years of college um, to help you grow in your faith. And we're a people bound by the reality that um, God loves us, and out of that reality that God loves us in the personal work of Jesus Christ, then we are compelled to love God and to love others and love Wofford. Um, so whether it's Bible teaching, whether it's our songs, our prayers, our small groups, our interactions with you. I hope it's a place where you can experience and taste and see that God, through Jesus Christ, deeply loves you. This semester, we're going through the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent, we're calling this series Songs for the Road. Songs for the Road, and we're calling that because Psalm 120 to 134 were these groups of psalms that God's people in the Old Testament, they would gather together and they would go on a hiking trip together up to Jerusalem and they would ascend and sing these songs as a group. That's what they would do. And you're probably familiar with the Psalms. They're those, those random kind of poems and prayers like right in the middle of your Bible. And God's people would sing them in corporate worship. And what these Psalms show us, these Psalms of ascent, is that Christianity is not an overnight process. It's a long road. It's a journey. It's a road. And that's the primary image that I want in your heads and in your hearts when you think of Christianity and even just this semester in RUF, this long road of following Jesus together. But we're all going in one direction together. So last week, what we saw is that in the journey of following Jesus, honesty is essential. Honesty. We went to Psalm 120, and tonight, Psalm 121. And before we get there, I just want to ask this question. <clears throat> Have you ever come close to drowning in the beach or in any body of water? Have you ever come close to drowning? I have. I have come close. This past summer, um, Ivy and I were at the beach with her family um, during a week of hurricanes. We're on the 30A area in, in Alabama, and... Um, and while the hurricanes missed us, the red flags were up every single day on the beach, and the waves were intense. The water was intense, even though it was sunny outside. But double red flags every single day. And one day, my brother-in-law, Will, and I decide to get into the ocean about waist deep after running five miles that morning. And we had done this like every day. This is the last day of the trip. We had gotten up waist deep and were just kind of enjoying the water and cooling off. And we could feel the current, but we nothing to be super worried about. But this day, what ended up happening was slowly and slowly and steadily, the water just pulled me out 
And before I knew it, um, the ocean floor dropped and I couldn't stand and waves are going over my head and I'm swallowing tons of salt water and I feel like I'm going to throw up and I couldn't, I was like beginning to have like a, t a panic attack literally out in the ocean. And Will is six foot. He's a little taller than I am. Not a little. He's like, you know, he's, he's much taller than I am. At some point, the ocean floor dropped for him and he couldn't stand. And so he's trying to grab me. We're like fighting out in this ocean, fighting the waves for like 12 minutes. And it seemed like it was 45 minutes to an hour. And my family uh, was just getting further and further away from me. And there were three distinct moments I thought I was going to drown. Not exaggerating. There are three moments I thought, um, you know, uh, Ivy is pregnant right now and she's due in November and I'm not going to beat my daughter. Literally had that thought. And I said something to that effect to my friend, to, to Will, my brother-in-law. I have never felt so utterly helpless in my life, physically helpless. Um, I knew I had no power in and of myself to survive this. Something from the outside, something miraculous was going to happen. So literally what happened was, Will, because he's taller than me, at some point miraculously uh, experienced on my behalf he just started standing up. He could plant his feet. He pulls me in front of him. The waves push us forward, and we get out of it. Um, <laughs> it's abundantly clear that we're in over our heads, and we experienced that in 2020. A lot of us experience 2020 like I've just described my like swimming um, con uh, conditions and experience. Um, Give me a thumbs up if the connection is okay and if I'm like frozen. Is everybody okay? I'm getting kind of this, getting all over. I'm just going to keep rolling, all right? I have this recorded. If, if all goes uh, downhill, you can listen on Spotify. We have a Spotify account, an announcement I forgot to tell you about. 2020 felt like that for a lot of us, what I and my brother-in-law experienced. Um, and so whether it's depression, political and racial unrest, anxiety, grief, we're in over our hell and our heads and we're in a condition where unless something comes from the outside to help us, we can't get through this. And so I do want to ask, like, what do we need? And what we need is help. We need help. And that's what Psalm 121 is going to talk about, help. In the Christian life, on this long journey, we need help. Following Jesus in the Christian life, the news for you is, and it's news that is actually pretty hard to accept, we need help. You need help. It is not a road of isolation. I'm going to read the passage and we're going to walk through it, okay? This is God's word. He's not spoken. He's not silent. He has spoken to us, not to give us rules to follow or an exam to ace. He's spoken to you and to me because he loves us. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. And you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Lord of the Lord, let me pray. Lord, we do ask that by your spirit you would slow us down because our hearts are busy and our 
minds are restless as well. We are starting a new semester, and we're all in different places with different fears and longings and anxieties and insecurities and sin and shame, and you know exactly where we are. And so I do ask that by your Spirit you would meet us right where we are and that you would slow us down, that we might hear your word and do your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's the game plan. Psalm 121 is going to show us that this Christian road of following Jesus, this journey, is one where we receive help. And so we have two points, looking for help and finding help. Looking for help and finding help. Let's do the first one, looking for help. Psalm 121, remember, is a psalm of ascent. They would get together and they would go up. They would hike upward. And as my friend always puts it when he describes the psalms of ascent, on this journey of going up to Israel, of ascending together, these psalms were the playlist. This was the playlist that they listened to together. And if you look in verse 1, you'll see where the vision is for the people of God. In verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills upward. That's where we're looking. As God's people, as they were hiking and singing together, their vision and attention was singular and it was upward. And we often look to the people or things or institutions or worldviews that we believe will extend the help that we need on the road, on the journey. In other words, who or what keeps our attention reveals where our hearts are. Who or what reveal, who or wherever, whoever or whatever our attention is kind of zoomed in on has captured our hearts. And so for the people of God here seeing this psalm, they have their eyes utterly fixed. Not on themselves and their talents, their circumstances, the lack of security that they're experiencing, but on God himself, who alone is the maker of heaven and earth and who can actually extend the help that they most need. I want you to see something. Did you notice how the psalmist sometimes, sometimes the psalms, y'all, David, who wrote a ton, will speak on behalf of the whole people of God. We lift up our voices. We, communally. Then sometimes he makes it personal, and he says, I lift up my voice to God. Look how he makes this personal. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And so this need, this experience of neediness and needing to look for help is both a universal thing in Christianity, a communal thing. We all need it. It's also a personal thing, an individual thing. And so we have to ask this, like, where do you look to find the help that you need? Where do you, not where do we collectively But where do you look? Where is your attention? Some of you look to your ability to keep peace at all cost. And so as long as you keep your relationships and circumstances calm and steady, you have the help that you need. Perhaps you find yourself looking to your ability. You're so good at this at fixing all of your problems, of life's problems. This could be raising your GPA, crossing your T's, dotting your I's. As long as you can maintain control and like up your game and competency, you have the help that you need. Maybe you look to image and status and reputation to find what you need and the way that you dress and your looks have always gotten you praise and everyone reveres how attractive and how you can work a room anytime you walk in. Others of you look to a sense of safety 
and security to find the help that you need. And so COVID-19 is like your nightmare because we don't know what's going to happen next week. There is no security. Others of us look to the approval of others to find the help that we need. And so we charm everyone around us, around us endlessly committed to meeting the needs of others even when we downplay our own. Where do you look to find the help that you need? The psalm is inviting us to ask the question and to cultivate a biblical self-awareness. Where do we look? Where is my attention? Where, is my, where are my eyes tempted to like zoom in on, to like get in my insides so that I'm okay? Because it's not if we're needy, we're needy, you're needy, I'm needy. Where are we looking? Okay? Let's go to the second one, finding the help that we need. Finding the help that we need. Really, this psalm, the majority of this psalm is a celebration of God's generosity to his people. Because in short, the psalmist has found what he needs. He's found what he needs, and he just goes on and on and singing and basking in the reality. God alone is our help. That's why I'm looking there. Because he alone can help me. Help has to come from the outside. That's not why I'm looking inside. Help can't come from my circumstances, so i got to look outside. So I'm looking up. Why? Because he alone is our help. But he's not talking about God as our helper in a general sense. There's a specificity to his helping. I want you to see that. There's a specificity to his care for you. He helps us in that he keeps us. That's the first way. God helps us in that he keeps us. That's the refrain in the psalm. Six times in eight verses here, what does he say? The Lord is your keeper. He keeps you. Over and over, repetition in the Bible is so important. You, need, you should get your attention. He's trying to say something. God is helping you in that he keeps you rather than commissioning a random group of people of faith to take a journey on them, their own to be autonomous and self-sufficient. The God of the Bible journeys with his people. He walks with his people. He is committed to you. He knows that you're weary. And how are you weary? And when you're weary, and he is committed to keeping you and sustaining you. In the words of Jesus himself in John 10, when he says he's the good shepherd, he says, I'm the good shepherd, you're my sheep, and guess what? No one can snatch you out of my hand. No one. The next, God helps us in that he protects us. He doesn't just keep us, he protects us. Derek Kidner, a psalm, uh, in his commentary on the psalm, says this about protection. Protection is a burning issue for a pilgrim on a journey who is traveling arduously and through lonely countries. He doesn't just keep you, he protects you. Verses 6 and 7, we see that God protects his people. He protects them from harm day and night. The Lord shelters and guards his people. This is the kind of help that we have in God. And you have to think, of Psalm 23, I, I have to assume that whoever wrote and sang this psalm, and especially the people who were hiking together singing, they would have known the words of Psalm 23. How does Psalm 23 go? How does it describe God as our shepherd? A shepherd who uses these things called rods and staff. Why? Basically to destroy any threats who would harm the sheep. Jesus is like this big brother who will fight 
anyone or anything that he hears about bullying or bothering or harming you. That's who he is. Eugene Peterson uh, describes it this way, and this is in your notes, a wonderful quote. He summarizes in the message uh, translation. He guards you when you leave, and he guards you when you return. He guards you now, and he guards you always. He helps us in that he protects us. Lastly, we see that God helps us in that he walks with us. He's with us. He walks with us. One of the lies um, that I hear through seasons of suffering in my own life is this lie. God is not close. God is not close. It's not necessarily that God isn't good. He's just like apathetic, disconnected, disengaged, and somehow inaccessible for me to experience his goodness because he just, he's apathetic. He's not close. But the psalmist is saying that he is so close, he's like the shade on your right hand. He's that close. He's near to the needy. So friends, I, I want you to hear this, and I want this to encourage you. As you walk around this campus with your freaking mask on, and you're so tired of it, Jesus is walking with you. Freshmen, when you go through a day of Zoom classes, and then you have an awkward interaction with someone you really wanted to impress for whatever reason, and you go back to your room and you think to yourself, why am I even here? Jesus is not far away. He is right there in the room with you by his spirit. Friends, not only is he right next to you, he's promised that he'll never leave or forsake you. He's not going anywhere. And no pandemic is going to change his character. It's in his very essence and character to care for you that way. That's what the psalm says. He walks with us. One of the things that I've said to students recently, especially in the fall, is that there is no such thing as a pause button for God's care for his people, the expansion of his kingdom, and his renewal of all things. That's what he's about. That's his project. And COVID can't, COVID can't stop it. It can't. Your circumstances can't stop it. He is so committed. He's more committed to you than our unfaithfulness and our circumstances can't derail it. So there's no pause button for him helping you this semester. I want you to start the spring trusting that that's true, that he's close. So the psalmist says again that he's, he, he is with you and he's not leaving you he doesn't slumber and he also doesn't sleep have you ever thought about this Wendell Berry says it like this he's one of my po favorite poets he says this this is on uh some, we have this framed I think in my house it says great work is done while we're asleep great work is done while we're asleep I have a two more two month old daughter right now you might know uh, her name is Annie and she's like the cutest creature on this earth and she sleeps all the time. She's like, she's asleep right now. There's no way she's not. I hope that she is. Ivy, if you're listening, I hope she's asleep for you. But she sleeps all the time. Do you know what me and Ivy are doing while Annie is sleeping? All kinds of stuff. We're doing, we're knickknacking around the house. Ivy is doing like bottle milk stuff that I don't even understand um, and don't really want to understand. She's like doing all the feeding stuff. 
We are vacuuming. We are taking diaper bags out and um, that she produces got ungodly amounts of dirty diapers every day. So impressive. There's a lot of action going on between me and Ivy and what we're doing in our house while Annie is asleep. Why? Because even as Annie is sleeping, there's no pause button for like us being parents. There is no pause button for that. There is no pause button for Jesus's care for you this semester, whether you're awake or whether you're sleeping or whether you're on campus or whether you're sent home in two, two weeks. Hope that doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. He's not going to leave you. He's sustaining you. There's no pause button. And honestly, when I go to bed at night, it's actually one of the only times of the day where I actually trust with my body that I can rest and trust that Jesus is on the throne. That's why God invites us to take a Sabbath, a complete day off that says, I don't have to lift a finger of work today, and God is still in charge and extending his kingdom in the world and in my life. Okay, we can say, uh, I want to say one thing about Jesus um, living a life of dependence, and I want to give you three things to chew on before we go into these breakout rooms, okay? I want to say one thing about Jesus. Okay, help. A life of help, receiving help, dependence on God to give you daily help, daily bread. That's the kind of life. That's the journey. It's not a, it's not a journey of like greater self-sufficiency and self-dependence and autonomous stuff. That's not it. It's a road of greater and greater dependence on Jesus and his body on each other. Okay? Is this not how Jesus lived? This is how Jesus lived. He was always... 100% dependent on his father at all times, except one time. He didn't get what he needed. He always got what he needed except this one time in this place called Golgotha. And he cried out, quoting Psalm 22, quoting a psalm, and he said, why have you forsaken me? And he was talking to his father. And he didn't get the help that he needed so that you and I will always get the help that we need. That's the result. And when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, one of the things that that's secured by his spirit is this pause button stuff never occurring for his care over you. It's not going to stop. So Christ modeled this. And of course, he's our God on this journey for this semester. Three things to chew on in terms of application. There's so many things we can say about this passage um, in terms of application. I just want us to really to think of two things, and I'm going to ask two questions. First is this, what does it look like to depend on God and his help for you every day? Not occasionally, daily bread, not weekly bread, not monthly bread, not annual bread, daily bread. That prayer is intentional. It's informative. We depend on God daily. It's not greater independence, but dependence. What would it look like I want, to, I want to zoom in on something. This semester, a lot of y'all are trying to do Bible reading plans. You're hitting the reset button, 20, you know, new year, new you, spiritually. All for it. Please try it. What if you looked at your Bible reading plan and common prayer if you come, you should come on Thursday, and you come to pray with God's people. What if you looked at the spiritual disciplines not as a check or as a box to check off on your day and a to-do list thing, 
but like childlikeness with your father to give you daily bread. Like you need this. There's a big difference than like an intellectual or theological box to check off to like post on social media to make yourself feel spiritual. That's not it. It's daily bread. There's a difference. So what I, I hope that you can see things like visiting churches, hearing sermons, worship, Christian community, spiritual disciplines. It's not like just like what Christians do in the South, but daily bread because we're in a pandemic and you better gear up and we need God's word and we need prayer and we need each other because we're on this journey and we can't do it alone. We got to have it. I hope there's an urgency there, not as a way of like to make you panicked, but to see your father who's so eagerly and like he is delighted to give you this help by his spirit. He's promised to. Okay, so daily dependence, what would that look like? Just zoomed in on a couple things. Second is this, what does it look like to extend help to others this spring? Not to, just to receive help from God, but to extend help to others this spring. Because y'all need it. I need it. Caroline needs it. Ivy needs it. We, we need it. And... Um, it's not like, remember the, the journey image of the Psalms, it's not just one person. It's not just two people. It's like dozens of people going in one direction and they need each other. So I want you, upperclassmen, I want you to think about underclassmen right now and what they need. And I want you to think about what you needed when you were a freshman. And you need to go be that upperclassman that you needed when you were a freshman because you've got to extend help to your brothers and sisters this spring. And COVID-19 has not given us like a pass or to hit, it's not giving us a license to hit a pause button on loving others and extending help to non-Christians, to needy underclassmen, like wounded folks in our lives, to love others who we're allergic to, who get on our nerves and don't want to make eye contact with them. There's no pause button for this. We have to extend help from others. And so that's the logic. I hope you see that. We get help from God, daily bread, and we're ready to help and extend help to others in our everyday life. Okay, so, but what would it look like? I hope you can talk about that in your quads. We're not gonna do it all here. I just hope we're like, I'm impressioning, if there's an impression of like, this is what the Christian life looks like, receiving help, extending help. Last thing is this, we need to rethink Christian growth. And here's what I mean. I already hinted at it, but this is the last thing I'll say. Wofford College folks are so driven and so competent. Y'all are so much more competent than me. And you have your hands in so much. You're involved in so much on campus. And um, that's who you are. And I love that about you. You're going to go to med school and you're going to be lawyers and you're going to like run for public office. You're going to like get things done to make the world a better place because that's what Wofford College people do. And I love that. And I love that I get to pastor you in that. It also means that you struggle to think about Christian growth as greater dependence on God because it's so hard for us to, to admit that we're needy. So rather than thinking that Christian growth means like I'm all good on my own, what if we thought about Christian growth as like greater and greater childlikeness and greater childlike dependence on our Father? It's more uncomfortable, isn't it? Sometimes when people tell me students are like, man, I'm, I'm really struggling right now, if I'm honest with you, Matt. I'm like, sounds like you're growing. 
And we are because he's committed to us and he'll never leave us. And that's good news. Let me pray and we'll get into groups. Lord, thank you for your word and for Psalm 121.